0: Welcome to the Faith at Work sermon podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I invite you to join me each week as we turn to God's word in scripture to grow and support our personal faith and to help us through the challenges we face in our personal and public lives. We all have spiritual needs to be met, and scripture is the place to turn for nourishment. I intend the messages presented here to be appropriate for all people, people of all religions and for those who are simply seeking meaning and purpose in life. This week, we look back and remember the tragic events of 9-11-2001 and try to find a message of hope in our remembrance. This week, we begin by hearing the words of St. Paul from the Book of Romans, which he wrote to a young Christian church in that first-century city. In Romans 15:5, Paul writes, May the God of Steadfastness and Encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1971, on a hilltop in Italy, the Coca-Cola Company Assembled young people from all over the world to sing this message.
1: I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple up on trees, trees and, and honeybees as so the white turtle does. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Sing, sing with me.
0: years later, as I play that remastered version of the Coke commercial on YouTube, I'm transported back to my living room couch, where I sit with a tear in my eyes, as voices were added to the swelling chorus, and the camera drew back and panned over young people of every possible skin tone and facial feature, dressed in colorful ethnic costumes, creating a patchwork quilt of diverse faces, smiling blissfully up into the sunshine of an imagined peaceful future. I admit that my cheeks still streak with tears as I replay it today. There were good reasons for that song to create such a long-lasting emotional reaction in me, and I suspect many people of my age when we revisit it. At that time, the Vietnam War was at its height, and we watched on TV as children who looked a lot like the ones on that hilltop, died horrific deaths in firestorms created by our bombs. We saw American boys shivering with fear in the jungle or gravely wounded being loaded onto helicopters. We'd seen four young black girls blown up as they attended church in Birmingham, Alabama. And in rapid succession, we witnessed the bloody assassinations of John F. Kennedy, Malcolm X., Martin Luther King Jr., and Bobby Kennedy. All the while, the United States and the Soviet Union aimed enough nuclear firepower at one another to kill every man, woman, and child on the planet many times over. Oh, how we wished we could teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. My emotional reaction today makes me feel naive and manipulated when this song affects me like that. The production value and the sentimentality or even sappiness of this ad, compared to the slick modern ads, probably makes it come across as a parody to younger modern audiences, and even the cynical modern me. How dare they say that Coke is the real thing, whatever that means. Coke could, and has been, accused of shameless commercialism in this ad, And it's often been used as a prime example of what's called cause advertising, the blending of social responsibility and commercial promotion. Today, Coke is being criticized for that success, the success of their marketing of highly sugared drinks over the years, for advocating poor nutrition, which has led to childhood obesity. All over the world. But I still appreciate the sentiment. I wish we could teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. This is a timeless desire. Harmony was Paul's dream, at least among the followers of Jesus. I repeat what I just read. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This wasn't a Coke commercial or an idle wish. He prayed that faith in Jesus Christ would unite his followers in glorifying God with one voice. There's a big difference between consuming a sugary soft drink and faith in Jesus Christ. For Paul, Jesus was the real thing. On Friday of this week, We remember those who died in the attacks of September 11, 2001. A reminder that the world still does not sing in perfect harmony. Far from it. As they have in each of the last 19 years since the tragedy, politicians fanned out across the country to honor the plea that was issued to America. Never forget. Never forget what happened on that day. That is a plea that's been issued after many American tragedies. Remember the Alamo. Remember the Maine. This is the day that will live in infamy. Philosopher Edmund Burke said those who don't know history are condemned to repeat it. Never forget. Never forget and its converse remember are important reminders. But what is it that we are never to forget about 9-11? Many of us hear those words as a war cry for vengeance. To you who did this, we will never forget what you did. We will track you down to the ends of the earth. We will find you and we will kill you. Those threats to some extent were fulfilled. Osama bin Laden was hunted down and killed by special forces at his hideout. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was taken out by a drone-fired missile as he unsuspectingly drove down the road in a motorcade while visiting Iraq. We did not forget. As justifiable and militarily expedient these strikes may have been, they have not led us to peace. For the past 19 years, brave American men and women have been called to give up their lives to that end. Whistling sniper bullets and thundering missiles cannot teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Neither do these assassinations soothe the pain of those who lost their loved ones on 9-11 any more than World War II brought back those who died during the bombing of Pearl Harbor. But there's another way to not forget. Instead of a call to hate, remembrance is a call to consecrate. When Jesus celebrated his last Passover meal with his disciples, he said, remember me. Don't forget what happened here tonight when we shared this bread and wine together. He knew that he would soon be crucified on the cross by Romans and jealous religious leaders. Don't forget that. But he wasn't telling them to go out and get revenge for the violence that was about to be done to him. He was telling them to remember his message of love and life and healing and forgiveness. We still celebrate that meal in the church when we celebrate communion. We have not forgotten, and we will never forget. We remember that Jesus gave his life for us, and the power of his love and forgiveness. For us, that's the real thing. In the midst of the shock and hatred that immediately followed the 9-11 attacks, President George W. Bush addressed the nation with these words. I want to speak tonight directly to the Muslims throughout the world. We respect your faith. It's practiced freely by many millions of Americans, and millions more in countries that America counts as friends. Its teachings are good and peaceful. And those who commit evil in the name of Allah blaspheme the name of Allah. The terrorists are traitors to their own faith, trying, in effect, to hijack Islam itself. The enemy of America is not our many Muslim friends. It's not our many Arab friends our enemy is a radical network of terrorists and every group that supports them. President Bush's conciliatory tone did not stop him from pursuing military action against the terrorists and their supporters. Even though that military action did not resolve the problem of Islamic terrorism and still hasn't, we're still dealing with the human and economic costs of those actions two decades later. The President however, set the proper moral tone in his address and a basic principle for future response. His words still remind us that we are called to the guidance of Jesus Christ to love our neighbors and to rely upon the promise of God's faithfulness, not our own righteous vengeance. There was still an opportunity for us to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. On September eleventh, 2020, we faced, we faced different threats and challenges. We face a killer more insidious than any terrorist, the coronavirus. We also face threats from within our own country, not foreign ones. We face racial violence and civil discontent. So is there what is there about September 11th, 2001, that we should not forget? What did that horrible lesson from history teach us? And can this lesson give us hope in the face of our new challenges? Never forget that we can unite. When I longed on to Facebook, this 9/11, I saw people sharing their stories of where they were and what they were doing when they first learned of those planes flying into the towers. I just arrived at my office at church when I learned of the attack on the radio. I went home and my wife and I watched the televised reports until the horror became overwhelming. Our daughter called from UW-Madison where she and her sorority sisters watched together as those events unfolded. And I remember her expressing how grateful she was that her mother was on leave from United Airlines where she was a flight attendant and was safe. All of our eyes were focused on the same scene. It reminds me of looking up at the moon at night and realizing that millions of eyes around the world are looking up at the same moon. We are united in our focus on a common object at least for a short time. Partisan politics in America was put aside as we all mourned together. America received condolences and promises of support from nations all around the world. We were nationally and globally united in our grief. However fleeting those feelings of unity may have been, they exposed our common humanity. We sang... In perfect harmony. Never forget that we are strong and brave. We can never forget the strength and bravery of the people who responded on that day. We've all heard the stories of the bravery of firefighters who died when they ran into the flaming towers to rescue the helpless. And we remember the ordinary people on Flight 93 who stormed the hijackers at the cost of their own lives and prevented that plane from being used as a missile that would have killed many more had it reached its target in Washington, D.C. We should also never forget the emotional strength of mothers and fathers around the country who gathered their children in their arms and assured them that they were safe. Parents were supported by teachers who also gave their students a sense of security. And remember the immediate response of those Who set to work clearing the wreckage to build something new. It took years, but from that smoldering wreckage, we raised up a new, gleaming Freedom Tower. Never forget that we are people of faith. I was serving as a pastor in a Lutheran church on 9-11, and I witnessed firsthand how the people of our community could come together in faith. We gathered as a community for an interfaith worship service led by a Christian pastor, a Jewish rabbi, and an Islamic imam. Representatives of law enforcement community, firemen and other first responders, and airline personnel gathered to pray, sing, light candles, and weep together. In the weeks and months that followed, I witnessed what I can only call a spiritual renewal, as people not only came to church to worship, but examined their lives and shared their feelings of faith with one another. We were all searching for answers. I think we found some. I know that we grew. I never sensed for a moment that we blamed God for what happened, but through that experience learned that God would be with us through any kind of tragedy. Our faith got us through. We survived. Through all of this we give thanks to God. For a brief moment in that sanctuary I heard us sing in harmony. Paul's wish that with one voice we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ was honored. Today our community choir is out of tune again. Our voices are not raised together in praise, but clash in angry attacks on one another and in discordant political rhetoric. But today is an opportunity to hold a universal choir practice. Think. We can bring BLM protesters in tune with faithful police officers. We can harmonize the efforts of medical professionals around the world to work for a solution to the pandemic. Maybe even we can teach Republicans and Democrats to sing their own unique songs in our concert of peace. This is a chorus that will sing in churches, mosques, temples, and synagogues everywhere. I'm not a music person, but I've been to a few choir rehearsals And I know that in order to sing my part in the harmony, I have to listen to the other singers. The individual must put aside personal glory for the sake of the whole. And when it all comes together, it's beautiful. Today, as I look back and remember where we were on 9-11-2001 and how we got through it, I am filled with hope. Harmonious, harmonious, and peaceful future if we never forget to turn to God. Because that's the real thing. May God bless you and keep you. So let's imagine ourselves back on that hillside in Italy one more time. But this time, listen to the original song that Coke adapted for their ad.
1: I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Thank you